1 Samuel in chapter number 18. I want to uh, preach tonight on this subject, learning to lean. And I want to add a little phrase to it and say it's a giant step. From 1 Samuel chapter 18 through 2 Samuel chapter 1, there's about a 10 to 15 year time span or transition in David's life. He's grown from a young stripling lad to a mature man who becomes king of all Israel. During those years, David had a tendency to lean heavily upon others. And that was all right. But in the end, the Lord taught him to lean only upon him. And to some degree, we all know something about this, even in the physical realm. We know about leaning on some things. Our children start out with baby bottles and pacifiers, baby blankets, and then bicycles with training wheels. That's the process of it. And I believe that God, when He saves us in the beginning, gives us some spiritual props that helps us so that we can lean on them in the spiritual walk that we walk. And then in time, as we grow in the Lord, He begins to take those props and to strengthen our faith in Him. It seems cruel, but it's a work of God's grace as He prepares us for the days that lie ahead. He must teach us to learn to lean. Our youngest son, almost from the day that he was born, I guess it was the day that he was born, uh, sucked not one but two fingers on one hand. And after he got up four or five years old, his mother began to think that it was time for him to stop that. I mean, you're going to go to school and you don't want to be sitting in the class with two fingers in your jaws and sucking. So she threatened him, she warned him, and tried to get him to quit. And so finally she said, uh, now, if you don't stop that, I'm going to tape your fingers. And of course, he couldn't stop. He was used to doing that. And uh, so one day she said, I warned you and I'm going to do it. So she brought him over. I can remember it. And uh, sitting there at the kitchen table, she got out the tape and she began to tediously tape up two fingers. She just about had them finished and he started cackling, laughing. She figured that he would be crying. And she said, Paul, what are you laughing about? He said, Mama, that's the wrong hand. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's kind of like the eagle and the little eaglet. There comes that time in which the mama eagle jerks the padding out from under the little eaglet to stir up the nest, to move it on in life. And God knows that... If we stay with our pacifiers and our blankets, we're never going to grow. So he has to wean us, I guess you would say, to teach us to learn to lean. 
Now, I want to point out to you three things about this, uh, this thing of learning to lean, this giant step. The first thing that I want to point out to you is the, the leaning props in David's life, or those things that David leaned upon. I find the first one in chapter 18, verse 1 through 3. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. Now this is a prop in David's life as a young boy that I call a friendly prop for companionship. This is the prop that you and I enjoy in our Christian lives where God brings another saint along. Maybe they're saved about the same time as we are. And he puts our hearts together. And haven't you often said and heard said that God's people are closer to us than even our own physical family. And the Lord makes it so. And certainly it has been in my life over the years. Thank God for those Christian friends. Those friendly props. That uh, when it seemed as though that the pressure was on, as it was with David at times when Saul was out to get him, you had that friend that you could call on and ask them to pray for you, and they would pray. And uh, they were always there to help you in those critical times of life. And how much we would miss those that God has placed in our lives. I've thought about all of the, all of the Christians that the Lord has let pass through my life, and especially those that have had uh, such impacts, and I have thought what empty spots it would have left if God hadn't placed them there. Yeah, I thank Him for every saint and the flavor of every Christian life that has blessed me and has meant so much to me in my Christian walk of life. David has, and I must emphasize that these are props that are not bad, but they are good. Because God Almighty has ordained in David's young life that he could have someone to share the burdens of life with as he did with Jonathan. He becomes a prop as Saul comes after him. Jonathan becomes a prop that he can lean on. But then I notice that there is another prop in 1 Samuel chapter 19 verse 18. The Bible said, so David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And Samuel went and dwelt, he and Samuel went and dwelt at Naoth. Now this is what I call a saintly prop for counsel. As David is fleeing from Saul, he needs some place to go. And there is a spiritual father in his life. And he brings his burdens to his spiritual father looking for answers and direction. 
You know, oftentimes we hear that uh, we have a uh, generation gap. I don't believe in that. Here we have a young boy that's probably no more than 20 years old. And when he gets in trouble, he runs to an old man that's probably in his 80s. And when he gets there, he's got so much in common because they've got the same spirit. The same spirit that rests upon David rests upon Samuel. And there is no generation gap. They enjoy the Lord together. I think the problem with the church in this hour is that we think the problem is that we need to dissect the gospel. We need a little portion of it this way for this person and a little portion of it that way for the next person. And, and uh, that's the reason why we have all these diverse ministries. We got some for old folks and some for young folks. And when people go looking for a church, they want to know, do you have, you have a ministry for singles? Do you have a ministry for old folks? Do you have a ministry for this one? Do you have, well, I've got, I'll tell you, I pastored 22 years. I had a ministry for all those folks. You say, what was it? The gospel. I think the same gospel that saves a man at 80 saves a man at 20. I think the same gospel, the same word of God that leads us along as children is the same gospel that leads us along when we get old. It doesn't make any difference. Thank God when we come together... All of these dividing points are done away with in the Holy Ghost. It has always amazed me that when the Spirit of God fell on a service that I've ever been in, that everybody became one in the Lord. And I can remember back as just a young Christian, about 17 years old, there was an old preacher that came from the mountains of West Virginia up there at Ohio where I got saved. And he preached like I'd never heard preach. Of course, I'd never heard much preaching. I'd only been saved about a year. But he came in there and he was one of them wind suckers. But he didn't suck wind for a show. He done it because he had to get some air. And he'd preach double over and he'd say, I want to send you neighbor. Let's hurry on the word of the Lord. And he'd preach like the world was on fire. And I, just a 16, 17 year old boy, sat on the front seat, honey, and it was like honey dripping off in my soul. I followed him every portion of the way. There wasn't no gap between me and him. We was enjoying the same Lord and Savior. I'm glad that can be so in the Lord. And so it was with, with the David and with Samuel. He had a saintly problem. Aren't you glad for all of those along the Christian journey that have followed God ahead of you and have in turn turned and pointed you in the right direction? They have schooled you and prayed for you and taught you and instructed you and encouraged you. Thank God. Where would we be if it hadn't been for the preachers that have blazed the trail before us? Oh, I'm so glad for the gospel that has erupted from every soul and heart in the years gone by. 
Esther's daddy was, uh, I'll tell you, he passed away at 96 years old, blazed the trail across those mountains up there preaching the gospel, started out on horseback. And I go to visit him. And I remember one of the last times I visited him, he'd always take his hand and rub his chest when he felt the spirit of moving on him. And he stood there at 90 some years old and he took his hand and started rubbing his chest and I could see water as it started dripping down. Tears started dripping down his cheek. And he said, son, I woke up this morning with a text of burning on my heart. Thank God for the old saints that have blazed the trail. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I didn't mean to get on this, but I want to just nail it down. I thank God for our democracy as a form of government. I believe God ordained it for us. I thank God for our constitution, the way it was set up. But honey, if you got any idea that that's the reason why America has lasted this long, you are food. It wasn't any constitution and it wasn't a democracy. Honey, a democracy is as rotten as any other form of government. You let the people rule and they got wicked hearts, honey, and they'll rule with wickedness. And that's where we're going. No, listen, what's the difference if one man rules with a wicked heart or 300 million rule with a wicked heart? You got the same outcome. It's all anti-God and anti-Christ. No, I'm going to tell you what's spared America. It's been the influence of the gospel through men of God down through the years. Honey, our constitution is founded upon the word of God because of the influences of those preachers who had influences upon those men's lives. And even as early as, I'll tell you, Jonathan Edwards' day, it, it was as if the, word, the America, had the, those colonies had been engulfed in sin and God sent a wave of revival. And then in Charles Finney's day and down through the years, God, through the gospel, has spared America. Thank God for those chosen servants that have had that divine influence upon our lives, my life personally. Think about Harold Seitler, uh, said unto him. J. Vernon McGee was my favorite radio preacher. It just seemed as though he, I just took a bath every time I listened to him. And I wept sorely when these men passed off the scene because they had a blessed, precious influence upon me. I leaned upon them. And David leaned not only upon the friendly prop of Jonathan, but he leaned upon the saintly prop of Samuel. Aren't you glad for those props that God gave you? But then in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, David again has fled from Saul by himself. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all of his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented, sound like one of the churches I passed, <laughs> gathered themselves unto him and he became captain over them. And there were they with him about 400 men. Now David has not only a friendly prop and 
a saintly prop, but here David has a safety prop in these men of war, in these 400 men. He has been running from Saul all by himself with Saul's army after him. But I'm sure that when he went to bed, when he rested in that cave that night, he felt a little bit more secure with 400 men around him than he felt all by himself. God sent him an army so he could rest him just a little bit and give him a little bit of ease, a little bit of security along the way. He's got this army. Boy, how blessed it is. I'm glad for every little bit of peace that we can find even in this world. Uh, my family was not saved, didn't know the Lord. I was raised without a mama, but I can remember... I had uh, five brothers that were, they were older than me and their reputation preceded me. And that wasn't all bad because it saved me a few times. They were my props. A whole lot of fights I didn't have to fight because they had already been there and fought them for me. And here, David, instead of being lonely and all alone, God puts some folks around him that he can, he can feel a little bit of secure with. He, he, maybe he can trust them a little bit. Thank God for that security prop for confidence that uh, we have. Whether it's job security, social security, <laughs> even our own strength and abilities that God has blessed us with. Thank God for those props. I'm trying to tell you these props are not all bad. They, they can be good for you. And that's why God gives us these props. Those are the leaning props. But the second thing I want to point out to you is not only the leaning props in David's life, the things that he leans on, but I want you to notice with me the leaning pains in David's life. The leaning pains. This is when God begins to take the props out from under him. And then all the fears and insecurities begin to set in. Uh, notice back in, or over in 2 Samuel chapter number 1. And verse 25 and 26. Jonathan, who is so knitted with David, has been slain. And here's David's feelings at that funeral. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I'm distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of a woman. David is experiencing great pain right here because God has taken away his friendly prop. He has taken Jonathan out of his life and David begins to sense and feel the void and he knows that there is one brother that he cannot lean on anymore. He senses the pain of that. 
Back when uh, one of our, well, our children were all small, we went to uh, the Outer Banks. And of course, you take a ferry to go over to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And while we were there, uh, my youngest son had his blanket with him. All of our kids, some, some of the ladies in the church, one lady would make one a blanket and one would make the other a blanket. The, what we call security blankets. And uh, boy, they get attached to them. As a matter of fact, all my young'uns still have their blankets, I think, with the exception of one. And they still claim those blankets, and they're 20-something years old. <laughs> Says something about my young'uns, on it? But uh, we spent the night there, and we, the next morning, got on the ferry and started back across and I noticed my son was crying. He was sobbing. And I said to him, what's wrong? Son, what are you sobbing about? And he said, Daddy, I left my blanket in that motel. And oh, he was so distraught over that, that blanket that he had slept with all of his days. So when we landed on the other side, we went to the telephone and called back. And they had found the blanket and promised to ship it to the house, and they did. But you're talking about lifting a little boy's countenance. He felt so good to know that he was going to get his security blanket back. Yeah. Well, I want to say to you here in David's life, he is losing more than a blanket. He is losing a great friend. Yeah. And it pains him so much to lose Jonathan. And as if that is not enough, then in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 1, I'm talking about not only the leaning props, but I'm talking about the leaning pains in David's life. Though it may seem so cruel, didn't we do it to our young'uns and wasn't it done to us? That we were the ones that gave them the pacifiers and then we were the ones that cruelly took them away from them. We were the ones that put the training wheel on the bicycles. Then we were the ones that took them off and then pushed them off into the wild blue yonder to land wherever. Yes, God gives us Leaning props, but there comes those times when, yes, it is painful to us, but he must take those props out from under us. Notice in 1 Samuel 25 and verse number 1, And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him, and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose, and you can sense it here, and he went down to the wilderness of Paran. David, no doubt, is heavy-hearted now. He has not only lost a friend, or he has not only lost someone who is close to him, such as a friendly prop, but he has lost Samuel, who has been his peer, his instructor, his, his guider along the way. He has passed off the scene and God has taken another prop out from under him. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1 and 2 and It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day 
that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. David was greatly distressed, and notice this next phrase, for the people, the same 400, spake of stoning him. Now it seems as though that every prop that David, God ever gave David, he eventually took away from him. And in taking those props away from him, he, he caused great sorrow. And I know David wondered, as we often do, what are we going to do without Jonathan? How will he ever make it without Samuel? And what's going to happen now that the soldiers have turned against me? What am I going to do now? Have you ever been there? Well, I've seen it in the eyes of pastors when some of the best people in the church turn against them and they say to me, Preacher, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've seen it many times. The very ones that welcomed them in and, and seemed to support them and hold them up and amen them uh, are now turned against them. And they have the sway of the congregation behind them. And you wonder, what am I going to do now? Haven't you sensed it and felt it as a child? Leaning so heavily upon that mother and that father, especially if they knew Christ? teaching you and training you and now you're watching them as they are lowered into the grave and you're wondering now who's going to make the decisions for you? Who's going to instruct you? Who's going to pray for you now that they're gone from the scene? Oh, there'll always be those props, but there'll always be those times when God will seemingly cruelly jerk suddenly the props of life out from under you as if that you are tottering now because you have nowhere to lean and nothing to lean upon. Boy, that's an uneasy feeling. That's an uneasy feeling. Not to have it to lean on. And for the first time in David's life, that is where he's at. He is all alone with nothing or anyone to lean on. He's had his props and now he's sensing the pain of them being gone from his life. But the last thing I want you to notice with me tonight is what I call leaning principles. Or lessons that we can learn from the props that God lets us lean upon. There are some great lessons that we can learn. Let me point out three of them. I would point out to you, first of all, the likeliness of some of our props. The likeliness of some of our props. In other words, the probability of what's going to happen to some of our props and what some of our props can, can do to us. If you lean too often or you lean too much, Sometime or another, you're going to lean on something that's not going to be too sturdy. Amen. Have you ever leaned on an old banister that was just a hanging on and went on out into the yard? 
and you realize it just wasn't a good place to lean? There was no real, though you thought there was, there was no real security in it. Have you ever sat down in a chair assuming that you were going to sit down and get up just like you always have and the chair exploded? But you see, we don't ever know what's going to stand or what's going to fold up. We don't know what's going to hold us or what's going to let us go. We're just used to leaning. And, and if you stand, you notice just about anybody, if they stand anywhere any length of time at all, they're going to use what's there. But we're all prone. If we can, we're going to lean. If there's anything near, we're going to try to lean on it. That's just the nature of man, seeking out something to rest on. But inevitably, you're going to lean on something that's going to prick you or penetrate you or going to cause you to fall. David learned that when he leaned on these 400 men. He learned sometimes how fickle a leaning post can be. Well, there's some things in life that's not good to lean on. You might ought to check them out before you start leaning on them. Amen. This whole world is caught up in all kinds of leaning props that they're resting in to try to get them through the emotional swings of life, whether it's some kind of appeal or drug or alcohol or something like that. Trying to find some kind of security in the things of this light world. But honey, I'm going to tell you this old world's fickle. And somewhere along the line, you might as well expect it. Or you're going to, honey, be saddened. This world's going to let you down. David found that out. And if you're not careful, you'll end up getting bitter because you expected more out of folks than they're willing to give. You're right. They're going to let you down. Amen. Some folks are going to let you down. Yes, sir. And some folks intend on letting you down. Yeah. Right. So you might as well get used to it. Damn, Damn. David learned a lesson about the likeliness of some props. Boy, there's so much in this world, so many props that we lean on that's just prone to let us down. You can't rest in them. But not only did he learn that lesson as far as the likeliness of some props, but I think he learned the limitations of other props. All props have their limitations. All of them do. I mean, even the good props have their limitations. You see, Jonathan loved David and went with David as far as Jonathan could go. But that's all he could do. That's as far as he could go. Samuel did everything he could do to help David in his time of trouble, but Samuel was limited and now he's gone. And no prop in this world is meant to carry you all the way through. God won't allow it. Somewhere along the line, even though the prop has good intentions and would do so, it is limited within itself because God knows that these props cannot be good for you, even the good props, if you're allowed to lean on them forever. You will never grow and go beyond the props. I mean... 
Wouldn't it be a sad mess tonight here if I still sucked a pacifier? <laughs> Excuse me, folks. I'm, I'm feeling a little timid. <laughs> Had my security blanket with me. Took it in every church. Oh, you'd say, that's silly. You need to grow up. Well, that's true. Because these props are not meant to last forever. Amen. And you're not going to grow unless God takes those props away from you so you can grow up. Somewhere along the line, mom and daddy's going to have to say, get out of our bed and sleep in your own bed. <laughs> you're going to have to grow up. Or did you look back on it, the best days of your life, wasn't it, when you was at home? Yeah. When daddy and mama made all of the decisions? Yeah. You know, you just leaned on them for everything. Yeah. It's not that way anymore. Yeah. There's sometimes in my life when decisions come up. Now listen to me. Along the, the journey when decisions <laughs> come up that I wish that I could find somebody that would tell me what to do. Yeah. Right. But there's nobody to lean on. I mean, my wife can't make the decision for me. My best preacher friends can't. If they could, they would. They try to advise me, but they can't make the decision for me. That's right, brother. There comes those times when nobody can go with you where you're going. Amen. You have to walk through it alone. With a heart that is bleeding. But all the time you're growing in God. Amen. Walking the journey alone. Oh listen. He's learning something about the lean imitations of the props that we lean on. They're just <coughs> going to crumble beneath us because they can't go all the way. But you know, the last thing that David learned, and this brings us to where all of God's props takes us. David learned that there is the Lord, and He is Lord of all our props. See, what he learned was that it wasn't I mean, even though, John, even though he was leaning on Jonathan, it was the Lord that was holding Jonathan up. Amen. He was leaning on Samuel, but honey, unbeknownst to him, it was the Lord that was holding Samuel up. The Lord of his props is what he is brought to. When all the props are done away with, he finds out the Lord was there all the time. Notice what he says there in chapter 2 in verse number 1, after all the props are gone. And it came to pass after this that David inquired of Jonathan. Is that what it said? He couldn't inquire of Jonathan. Jonathan's gone. He doesn't have him. And it came to pass after all this that David inquired of Samuel. No, he didn't inquire of Samuel. Came to pass after all this that David inquired of the Lord. God jerked the props out from under him. 
he began to lean on the only one that will never fail him. And in whom there are no limitations. And that can take him beyond all the boundaries. And go with him anywhere and everywhere. And through anything and everything. Thank God. I tell you. I love being ministered to by older folks. I found that out early in, in the pastor that I got more strength out of the older saints that had walked with God and almost every prop had been jerked out from under them. And I can remember talking to a little old lady asking her about living by herself. And her eyes just lit up, Brother Larry, and she said, Oh, I don't live by myself. <laughs> She said, Jesus lives here with me. And she said, you know, my youngins have been trying to get me to buy a pistol. She said, I don't need no pistol. The Lord's going to take care of me. Well, how'd she find that out? Well, all of her props from her husband and everything else had been gone for a long time, and she found out the Lord stayed with her. Boy, how precious it is that no matter where you're at, no matter what the situation is, you know that you can lean on the Lord. Amen. Trust in the Lord Amen. with all thine heart. And lean not, the Bible said, unto thine own understanding. Oh, listen. It was bad for David, I know in his heart, to lose Jonathan. And it's always bad to lose our props. But it is a necessary thing in our lives. But the glorious thing is, is to find out that the Lord is the Lord of our props. And he alone needs no help to hold us up. And whatever the situation, the need of our hour. And David learned to lean. A giant step. He learned to lean upon the Lord. You know, there's an illustration of this I love to give. I heard of a little old boy that came into his mama one day. I'm talking about the differences between the props of this world and the Lord himself in our lives, strengthening us. The little boy ran into the kitchen and his mama was baking biscuits and had flour all over. And he said, Mama... Would you uh, get me some raisins? And she said, well now honey, right there is the drawer. If you'll just get down in there, get you a handful, it'd be all right. He ran out of the kitchen. A little while later, he came back in and he said, Mama, would you get me some raisins? She said, honey, I've got flour all over me. I can't do that. Just reach down there in that drawer and get you a handful of them raisins. And he turned and ran out. A little bit later, he came back in. He looked up with that desperate look, and he said, Mama, would you please get... She said, Honey, can't you see Mama's hands has got flour all over? Why won't you reach down in that drawer and get you a handful of raisins? And he looked up as only a little old boy could look up, and he said, Mama, cause your hand's bigger than my hand. Can I say to you tonight, thank God for all the props. I don't want to estimate the props. 
that God has put in my life. I thank God for all of them. But I sure want to magnify Him. as the prop, the holder up and the sustainer of my life. I love you folks tonight. I love this church. I love this pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. I love the Lord because he put you in my life and he props you up while you prop me up. And as we prop each other up, but honey, when you're gone and I'm gone, we're gone, he'll still be around holding them up. David went off and sat down no doubt and began to write not Jonathan not Samuel I love them old boys but the Lord is my shepherd I shall not and oh I'm glad tonight for all those had that have pointed me toward him. And then he has taught me that he is my shepherd. I saw a little, I've still got it, a little old sketch, cartoon. And it's two sheep out in the field and they're talking to one another. In the background you can see the shepherd, the old straw hat on, leaning back up against a tree with a beard on, got a staff. The one sheep looked at the other and said, uh, don't tell old straw hat over there, but the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> well, that's the way David felt about it. That's the way I feel about it. I'm glad I can point to you to one tonight that will never disappoint you, never leave you, nor forsake you. The Lord Jesus said, I'll go with you. I'll be there. I'll always be there. You can't do that. And I can't do that. But he can.